Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. In Elizabeth Gaskell's North and South, what kind of heroine is Margaret Hale? I'm going to be um, basing this podcast on the notes in the introduction to the Penguin Classic Edition of the text. Um, And the introduction was written by Patricia Ingham. And what she argues here is how Margaret is a subversive rewriting of the typical middle class heroine. Um, And so it's really essential for understanding how to read the novel and how to interpret Margaret as the main character, that we understand the ways in which she is different from typical middle-class heroines and um, how this links in to the novel's overall message about social class and gender. Now, um, a contemporary review of North and South, that means one that was published at the time it was written, says this, Margaret Hale by her womanly influence, is able to calm hatred and real sorrows. And this very much is a Victorian interpretation of this. Um, The novel was first serially published in 1854-55 and then came out in two volumes in 1855. And this seems to be quite a status quo upholding interpretation of Margaret Hale. But it doesn't take much digging in the narrative to see that Margaret really goes against a lot of the stereotypes of her day. Um, And I believe a lot of that lies in the contrast between her and other more acceptable characters, such as Edith um, and Fanny, characters who adhere to their social um, status and the things that they're expected to do. Now, um, Ingham begins the introduction reminding us that the North in mid-Victorian fiction is a figure for capitalistic values. Um, So you've got the positive side of the entrepreneurial skill, but then you've also got the downside of the unremitting self-interest. And then the South, on the other hand, is the natural location of the educated and comfortable middle class. So North and South are geographically opposed, but they're also opposed in terms of social class and who lives where. And the South is obviously the seat of power because that's where London is. That's where a lot of land is owned. The North is this kind of wild, untamed ground that has now been transformed through the Industrial Revolution. Now, what's really interesting about North and South is that Gaskell takes a heroine from the South. Uh, Margaret is educated, refined and then thrusts her into the ugliness and the conflict of the North and allows her to go native. So in other words, Margaret goes into the North and instead of maybe having an adventure or two and then returning to the South, um, she decides to reject the South in favour of the North. And that's really quite subversive and unexpected. She's originally a symbol of the South because when we start the novel, she's had a life of 
relative ease and comfort. She's lived with her Aunt Shaw in London, in Harley Street, amongst fashionable people. Her parents in Halston have this idyllic southern lifestyle with very little to trouble her. Um, And she goes to Milton and is horrified by the bustle, the noise, the dirt and the smoke and really believes herself to be very superior. However, what happens to Margaret is that she changes and she, her superiority gets broken down as she gets to know the people of Milton from the Thorntons, who are obviously um, a strong middle class family in Milton, but also the Higginses, who represent the working class. And as those class barriers become broken down, Margaret changes and transforms from quite an ignorant person, an ignorant snobby person at the beginning of the novel, to someone with real human empathy and understanding. What's really interesting is that when she returns to Harley Street and then rejects it, it really shows that she, in her very character, is North and South. Because although she was originally from the South, the North is where she actually feels she belongs. Now, what I think is interesting in Ingham's introduction is that um, she sort of looks at Thornton's... uh, reception of the Hales and the way that Thornton when he visits them he reads the tranquility and comfort of the Hales drawing room as this kind of middle class ideal but he doesn't realise that underneath the surface Margaret doesn't have support from her class in fact she is oppressed by it um the social background of her mother Mrs Hale means that even the the Halston vicarage wasn't good enough for her let alone these shabby rented rooms in Milton and so the social class that she comes from actually puts Margaret under enormous pressure Um, and Ingham comments on the emotional practical demands on Margaret's life because she's constantly trying to placate her mother for whom nothing is ever good enough, um, and also interest her father, who's got a lively academic interest. Um, um, we can see um, as well the fact they've got this secret about Frederick, their son, um, who's in exile and he could be hung if he returns because of his participation in a mutiny. Um, it also shows this hidden middle-class secret, the fact that most middle-class lives look very good on the outside but often conceal suffering and pain within. Now what I think Ingham uh, Ingham makes a really good point in is how um, Frederick provides an example of how an individual may question the established order out of a sense of burning injustice. Uh, And Ingham says through Frederick, Margaret develops a model for dissent. And dissent simply means going against the established order. So we see this in three different characters in the novel. In Mr. Hale, who dissents from religious, the established church, religious values, and gives up his living as a vicar. Frederick 
dissents from the authority of um, being a sailor at sea under this captain who's corrupt and um, rebels against him. And Margaret dissents from what a traditional middle-class woman should be um, and tries to forge her own identity. Um, and, And so I think it's lovely the way that she really... Um, develops an equality with all those around her from all the different backgrounds. She initially wants to visit the Higginses as a kind of, you know, rich person visiting a poor person, but very quickly Nicholas shows her that's not how they do things in Milton. And she can establish a dialogue with the Higginses where she's on equal terms. And then, of course, Thornton himself uh, follows her example, as it were, And after she introduces him to Nicholas, does exactly the same thing too. Um, Ingham comments on Margaret's use of slang language that she picks up, um, reading up the house after Boucher's suicide. And it changes the orientation of the narrative because instead of going into these northern environments and making them more southern, Margaret, the southerner, becomes more northern. Um, And she, she battles verbally with Thornton um, about the whole inevitability of poverty. Now, a common Victorian stream of thought um, is really epitomised in Darwin's um, Origin of the Species. The idea of the struggle for existence, that everyone has to sort of battle it out for the survival of the fittest. And that obviously is the essence of capitalist society. And Margaret questions this um, when um, she sort of, the narrator, after a conversation between Margaret and Thornton, observes um, about the the workmen will pass by in the swift, merciless improvement of altera- or alteration who would fain lie down and quietly die out of the world that needed them not. The idea that some people are somehow expendable because they're poor, because they are ignorant um, and they can be sk- skipped over or crushed for other people to get what they want. Another big thinker of the Victorian era is John Stuart Mill and he wrote um, that he's not charmed with the ideal of life held up by those who think the normal state of human beings is that of struggling to get on. And so Margaret and Gaskell herself are looking for a better life than this constant warring between social classes and and struggle. Now Thornton... um, sees the benefits of capitalism as this. A working man may raise himself into the power and position of a master by his own exertions and behaviour. And that's very much his core values. But what we actually see throughout the course of the novel is that the the sort of um, prowess won by capitalism is always precarious because we see Thornton himself through no real fault of his own but through the strikes through various things outside of his control lose his money Um, and it's only through Margaret's intervention that he manages to save the mill. Now just to talk a little bit more about Margaret as this kind of subversive heroine it's interesting that in their verbal spars Margaret achieves verbal dominance over Thornton Um, and 
Pikulis, a critic, says that she's staking her claim for identity in a male world. Um, and that turns what the early critic called feminine influence into actual power. Margaret is a female character with power. And that's seen in her impact on others around her. People tend to listen to her, people tend to respect her, people tend to do what she says. And she even manages to coerce Thornton at various points, such as the strike. She coerces him into confronting the strikers face to face. And then she is the one who shields him when they start to attack. And so these issues of class and gender are, uh, in- Ingham says, inextricably entangled because by stepping out of her class to defend the workers and then Thornton Margaret has stepped out of her gender as conventionally constructed so she's doing all the things which they didn't expect a woman to do Um, and obviously there's this issue for Margaret as soon as she makes that public spectacle of herself that Thornton believes he has a duty to make her an honest woman by marrying her and in her refusal of this proposal Margaret is showing that she refuses to be defined by these societal norms she doesn't want her respectability as a woman to depend on what she does whether she's married or unmarried she wants to be able to defend an innocent man without it affecting her reputation. And so even though others are receiving it badly and, you know, gossiping about her, she stands upon her conviction that as a woman, she should not be judged by these actions. Now, it's interesting that Ingham discusses Margaret's reluctance to really even acknowledge her own attraction to Thornton. um, And she comments on her relentless determination not to let physical attraction give him power over her. And what Margaret most resists in a marriage is is that will relegate her to a position of mere womanly influence. So Margaret will not agree to marry Thornton until it's on her own terms. And obviously by the end of the novel, Margaret has the financial power and has asserted her own identity. And for her, that is crucial before she enters into the state of marriage. There is, um, Ingham says, a ferocity in their relationship, which various critics have commented on. Um, And it's really interesting that Margaret refuses to allow Thornton to go um, uncriticised, and he the same for her. Now, Milton has made Margaret aware of the invisible toilers in even the Southern Society in London um, and the strange and satisfied vacuum in her own life. And it's only when she finds independence as a, in an individual and can then fulfil her relationship with Thornton. Um, it's interesting to note that Frederick never does get um, exonerated. He's never able to return. Um, And so there's that sense in which the society that Margaret lives in hasn't changed. There is still injustice. There are still men like Thornton brought low through no fault of their own. And men like Higgins who struggle through poverty through no fault of their own either. Um, 
but so Gaskell doesn't give us any easy answers but I think in the heroine of Margaret we see a new type of heroine for a middle class woman to aspire to be an individual who acts by her own conscience and does not allow herself to be restricted by the unreasonable demands of her society. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please hit subscribe and share it with a friend. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Teach Me Lit. I'm always open to requests, so if you want me to talk about a text you're studying, get in touch. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.